Do better. Welcome to Do Better Podcast, a digital content hub from Asade, built for minds interested in doing better. Knowledge ideas, perspectives, and research insights on topics that matter. Business advice for better decisions and growth. Latest on the world of innovation and ideas. A look inside a global world beyond borders and an open view on social challenges. You can leave your comments and suggestions on dobetter.isade.edu. Hello and welcome to Azade Doers, podcast about entrepreneurs and innovators. Our guest today is uh, Tarun George, co-founder of Kavli Wireless. Hi Tarun, thanks for being with us. Hello Davide, wonderful to be here. So to get uh, started, can you please tell us in 30 seconds what does uh, Kavli Wireless do? So short answer, we deliver IoT as a service. So what Kavli Wireless does is we enable companies to launch their IoT products, IoT use cases such as smart bikes, smart meters, uh, EV charging stations, cold chain monitoring, etc. These kind of use cases, we enable the companies to launch it anywhere in the world uh, uh, at speed and scale. Yeah. Perfect. And this, um, so this is a rather uh, technical topic. So we're going to yeah. unpack it a little bit more uh, during mm-hmm. the, the conversation today. But I think you're Overall, what makes this very interesting is that you're working on one of the probably two, three core uh, trends that are shaping no? the future of, uh, of the world yeah. and of business opportunity in general. So maybe before jumping more into the company, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, you know, what actually is uh, IoT as a service and uh, how does that play within the overall kind of uh, Internet of Things uh, growing movement? Absolutely. Let me maybe start with a small stat. Uh, so in 2016, uh, Cisco, Ericsson, these companies, they predicted that by 2020, there will be 40 billion, uh, let's say, connected devices in the world. But the reality is it's approximately 10% of that that has realized. So what went wrong? Like something went wrong for these devices not to get deployed in the field. And this is because IoT is uh, in itself a journey that is segmented into three stages. Like stage one would be the hardware design. Stage two will be you need to connect these devices into internet. So using Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, cellular, et cetera. And finally, you need to deploy it into the uh, cloud in order to track it real time. So only when you do these three things, you can call your product a smart IoT product. Uh, So what happens is for a company to launch this, they need to go through each of these uh, three stages uh, in order to finally launch their smart product. And in reality, what happens is these three stages are dominated by monopolies. It's very fragmented, uh, et cetera. So this is where we come into picture. We basically uh, streamline this entire value proposition. We provide the IoT hardware. We provide the IoT connectivity. And we provide the IoT cloud all into a bundle so that the customers can just come to us and then go to market in the fastest possible manner. So who are your, your customers in general? So our customers would be anyone uh, who is manufacturing these IoT products. So it could be a bike company, a car company. It could be a, any general OEM or a design house that develops these solutions for these large OEMs. Uh, so yeah, so basically the manufacturers of uh, IoT products. So, so to bring it now to, to a very concrete example, just for, for the less sure. technical audience, let's say that uh, I'm a manufacturer, I want to make, for example, electric kick scooters uh, that go mm-hmm. around the city, and uh, I don't want to 
build uh, in-house the whole IoT component to get those connected, yeah. uh, I can come to you and then you will provide me both the hardware, the connectivity and the cloud storage and everything needed to connect those kick scooters um, yeah, to, to the internet, basically. Yeah, usually what happens is uh, these companies, they have expertise and most often cellular or electronics is not their expertise. So that's where we come into picture. We design the whole, uh, let's say, electronic circuit board and uh, put the module that needs to connect to the internet, uh, help it connect to the internet because all our modules or the hardware comes with uh, embedded SIM card or a, mm -hmm. like a SIM card in your phone. So uh, it connects to any country in the world. So they can deploy uh, tomorrow in, uh, let's say, six different countries. And finally, we have a cloud platform that manages all of this together for them. And as a result, they can go to market with minimum expertise in-house. So this seems, uh, by the way you, you describe it, seems kind of an obvious uh, approach. So the question <laughs> becomes, uh, is there any other, no, or were you the first one kind of uh, providing this service? Yeah, so uh, as I said, in these three segments, there are, of course, many competitors. Like if you look at the hardware, it's dominated by legacy companies. Mm -hmm. If you look at the connectivity side, it's dominated by the telecom operators, uh, these uh, large players, or the resellers even. And finally, the cloud is like an ocean of companies, no? like there's a lot. Right. So what we do differently is we are the unique player that combines all of this right from the scratch in the sense that our hardware is already tied to the cloud. Our hardware is already tied to the connectivity. So it's one layer that enables them to launch the solution. So this is uh, pretty unique in the market. We wouldn't say we are a first mover because we see that some of the competitors do like um, acquisition, et cetera, to grow, to get this capability inorganically. Uh, but what we do is a, a organic way of doing it. And which is much more efficient uh, from a customer's point of view to manage all the units together. Okay, and now that you touch upon it, what's the, you know, so you, you're one of the co-founders of the company. Okay. How did uh, Kavli Wireless um, came to be? What's the story behind the company? Sure, uh, so it, I have to go back to 2017. Uh, so this is when we started the company. However, uh, the four co-founders uh, that we are, we go way back. So we are childhood friends and all of us were in the telecom industry uh, in different parts of the value chain. Uh, so we understood this sector very well. And initially, we, uh, the problem that we identified was actually roaming, uh, like uh, that you face, no? you and me, like when we travel to different countries, we have to get different SIM cards on our phone and finally figure out the expensive plans. Maybe not so much in Europe now, but especially if you travel internationally. So our solution was to have one SIM that could uh, roam in any country at the same rate. Uh, and then uh, that's where it all started. Okay, then we thought, okay, this is a very crowded space. Uh, what if we, uh, instead of giving it to B2C, uh, what if we give it to B2B, which means machines, no? like all these cars, bikes, washing machines, uh, meters, et cetera. What if we put the SIM inside them? So this is how the whole thought process became uh, in the sense that we wanted to eliminate uh, roaming and make sure that any product can be deployed anywhere in the world in the fastest and the cheapest manner. And of course, uh, when we finally went to market, we realized that, okay, we need to not just give the SIM card, but also the hardware, the connectivity, the cloud, and the whole package. And that is the true, uh, let's say, problem that we could solve. Yeah. So was this more a demand from your customers? Let's say the first customers you approached with the SIM uh, opportunity, they asked you about everything else, or did you just realize that uh, it was a need 
by providing the scenes? Yeah, so we spent almost two to three years on product development, uh, and this was a phase uh, that that uh, helped us uh, understand this, that the true problem in the market is not the sim, but the entire solution. So when I say like, uh, uh, why only 10% of the market forecast got deployed, uh, the reason was not because there was no sims, but the reason was there was a lack of uh, hardware players uh, that are operating across the stream because the hardware design is a major bottleneck for the customers. So we are there to solve it, yeah. Okay, and you do you manufacture your hardware or do you just design it and then outsource manufacturing? So when we started uh, in 2000, up to 2018, 19, we did the outsourcing, uh, but now we have in-house manufacturing. So we have a production facility in India uh, and uh, we design everything in-house, we manufacture, we do the, uh, the assembly, the quality control, everything in-house, yeah. Okay, and so you say, you started with something that was rather you know, a bit uh, kind of uh, top of the iceberg approach in saying, hey, we want to solve roaming and just provide yeah. seams that can roam. And as you mentioned, there are uh, multiple companies doing that. It's uh, kind of yeah. a crowd of the space and then transitioned to, to a B2B model and that became also much more hardware heavy. So yeah. oftentimes when talking to new to new founders, the question arises of, oh, how can somebody start from scratch a hardware company? Isn't it complicated to, you know, to finance yeah. it, to do the research, time to market is very long. So yeah. how did you solve this? Yeah, well, uh, hardware definitely is uh, heavy lifting. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, of, oftentimes uh, we get asked, why didn't you just do the cloud? It, you could have gone to market in two days. Uh, the reality is that would not have solved the problem that the customers are facing. And that is the absolute fact why we decided, okay, guys, we need the hardware element to this uh, because that's where IoT is lacking. And uh, yeah, it is difficult in the sense that, uh, as I said, we spent two to three years only in product development. That is very rare in the current scenario of startup uh, ecosystem. I like to spend this much time. Uh, so we were extremely bootstrapped. Uh, we, the first two to three years were spent uh, traveling, talking to suppliers, talking to manufacturing, finding the right products, the cheapest product at some cases, or sometimes the most efficient products. Were you self-financed or do you have any external financing for this period? Yeah, so uh, what we did was we opened a seed round uh, when we started, like a friends and family round. Uh, however, we just kept it open. You know? So based on the need, we will ask uh, the finances. So started with friends and family, of course, in the initial 12 months. And then we went to more professional family offices, uh, SR Deban, for example, uh, and a uh, few other corporates uh, that are in this industry 4.0 segment. Uh, so yeah, we kept the round open for two years. So whenever we want, that is only when we ask. Uh, so we were able to keep it extremely lean because uh, there's often case that we could go and raise a large round on day one and then spend it on unwanted uh, things. And it would not be as lean as it would have been. Uh, so yeah, we went the other way remained bootstrap, but uh, from a friends and family and angels perspective, yeah. And what was this? Uh, I think this is what is very interesting, because no? as you mentioned, most uh, entrepreneurs on one side, but as well, most investors are used to more kind of software first or cloud first companies mm. that have a much quicker time to market. So what has been the uh, the feedback no, from investors when you approach them saying, hey, we're going to do research for a couple of years before going yeah. to the market. <laughs> and we actually don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, so uh, 
to the professional investors when we went we already had a product the platform and everything uh, for the family friends and family of course this was a storytelling uh, that we had a piece of paper with a blueprint and plans and everything so yeah it was a bit difficult but that's why there were friends and family <laughs> and uh, right we could uh, we could execute it yeah and yeah. were you were you all uh, full time from the beginning or kind of shuffling between you know other jobs maybe to to keep the bootstrapping a little bit uh, leaner uh, so it, it all came uh, one by one so uh, first two offers were full time and then the third person and finally the fourth person for example me uh, since i was having a job at a venture capital firm in spain uh, i wanted to keep it for a while mostly to uh, build relationships network etc and uh, yeah uh, so by the second year all of us was full uh, time yeah. perfect and this gives me the perfect segue into into my next question which is hmm. uh, what have been your your motivation no? so you mentioned you were uh, working actually at a, at a venture capital firm which is hmm. uh, as as we know by experience uh, the the kind of uh, landing opportunity for many many business school students so what made you decide <laughs> to to risk it all in a way and and jump into uh, onto this project yeah uh, i think the immediate answer would be that i was doing it with my friends uh, and that made a big difference uh, me to because i we know uh, since a long time we are childhood friends school friends uh, etc and there was a trust factor there that it's a, uh, the project itself is uh, is good and i'm going to do it with the uh, with the people i know that was important and of course uh, one more the most driving factor is always the passion and that you get to do uh, the things that you believe in and we really believe in this project uh, the, the scale of it and the, and the value that it will bring to this industry Uh, so it was a, a nose dive uh, without much uh, much thinking yeah <laughs> yeah is this your first uh, kind of entrepreneurial experience or did you build something in the past in terms of uh, companies or startups yeah this is the first uh, yeah uh, i wouldn't say i was always entrepreneurial uh, mindset uh, that i had always but my main principle was always to do something that i was passionate about so if there was no interest or passion was very difficult for me to put the 100% effort uh, so uh, it was a natural segue into uh, into doing this business yeah perfect and talking a little bit more about uh, iot in general no as, as mm. we, you were discussing so so far we are around about uh, 10% of what uh, had been this uh, this uh, projection by by cisco how mm. do you see the the future now uh, going forward also of course based on your experience no like we are from believers that uh, the next decade is going to be the decade of uh, iot uh, majorly because uh, more companies are uh, want to track their assets remotely especially with the covid uh, that you saw that the whole industry went remote and if you go remote you need to track uh, your assets remotely uh, so there are trends showing that the industry is going to grow um and the forecast now is uh, mostly at around 50 billion in the next 5 uh, years which we also believe and this is mostly because the technologies are now coming uh, the the new technologies are starting to replace the legacy technologies like 2g 3g uh, now the more iot based low power technologies are coming because in the end uh, iot should always be cost effective uh, earlier it was not and now it's becoming like if you deploy a product in the market like maybe in a railway track you need it to be there for 10 to 20 years which means the battery life should be efficient uh, the power consumption should be low etc and now the technology is there to enable it and of course now with upcoming 5g and uh, 
uh, all these new uh, technologies with low latency, it would again drive this trend. Yeah. And in terms of industries, where do you see uh, there is more uh, kind of development? And as well, where do you see there is kind of more potential for future growth based on, mm. uh, on where they are now? Yeah, so currently, uh, since we are deep into this uh, world, uh, maybe I could give some stats, is that automotive and micro-mobility, like these are two segments uh, that are shooting up really fast, mostly because these are always uh, two industries that adopt latest technologies, like when you look at a new electric scooter or a automotive vehicle, a four-wheeler, two-wheeler, etc., they always bring the latest technologies. And IoT is the latest technology to become a smart connected car or uh, the telematics unit, intelligence, infotainment, etc. So we see a very uh, high scale adoption in these two industries, uh, not because the other industries don't have the practical use case, but mostly because these industries are well funded and they're very well advanced in terms of technologies. And going further, uh, what we also see is industries like uh, uh, asset tracking, like cold chain monitoring, food tracking, vaccine tracking. Uh, these kind of segments are growing up because now, uh, for example, vaccines are becoming a global uh, trend that uh, you need to transport it at uh, scale everywhere. And also food, uh, like food wastage is a major topic across the world. So this kind of technologies can eliminate that and there are trends uh, coming to it. And finally, also uh, sectors in the smart city space, like our city uh, can be enabled smart here. What about agriculture? Do you see a growth there as well? Uh, we do see agriculture uh, use cases, uh, mostly in, uh, in, the developed, uh, in the developing countries. Uh, for example, in India, uh, Turkey, uh, Africa, etc. We do have a number of use cases in agriculture, mostly in the smart farming, uh, soil monitoring space. So there are only few areas which are, uh, let's say, scalable uh, as of now uh, because of the tenant, because you also, you also need the technology in these fields, most of which are located in rural areas. So it's a bit difficult uh, compared to uh, urban deployment, uh, the agricultural use cases. But yeah, we are seeing uh, strong trends in agriculture as well as uh, healthcare and food tech. Yeah. And as you mentioned, this, did you see a big difference between uh, more developed and less developed countries in the in terms of adoption of iot technologies yeah yeah in terms of, it's mostly different in terms of what kind of use cases are uh, happening uh, so for example uh, we do have a number of projects in india and these projects are completely different from the projects that we do in europe uh, or us uh, mostly because of the, the difference in the, the penetration of technology or adoption of the latest technologies. For example, the use cases in India would still be based on 2G, 3G, and uh, less based on the advanced technologies, but at a very large scale, of course. And uh, the, the, the deployments in Europe are mostly in the very high power, uh, let's say, uh, most futuristic use cases like self-driving cars or uh, autonomous trucks, like these kind of advanced use cases. Yeah. And do you think for somebody that wants to kind of enter in this space do you think there are kind of more opportunities in developing countries because they will probably uh, accelerate adoption of uh, networks or in general do you think it's still kind of more relevant uh, for now in terms of business opportunities to uh, deploy something in uh, more developed countries that have more advanced networks already available yeah here it's a question of uh, let's say uh, the volumes and the 
kind of projects that are happening. So of course, the US and Europe remains a very attractive market uh, when you look at a monetary perspective. Uh, and also in the, from a perspective of you get to deploy the latest technology, so you're always excited by it. But in uh, the developing countries, uh, you see the, uh, the impact, no? like uh, in terms of uh, use cases and impact it causes to the society. So that we feel more in the developing countries because they are now just adopting, let's say, uh, legacy systems, and transforming it into modern infrastructure. Uh, so you get to see that at ground level countries yeah okay so very interesting and in general a space that we want to um, mm -hmm. keep an eye on uh, moving forward in the future yes I'd like to, to to keep talking about this but I, I think you gave us already a pretty good uh, kind of understanding of what what you do and what uh, kind of uh, the overall situation of the IoT sector is so mm -hmm. now I'd like to move to the to the second part of the podcast and getting to know a little bit uh, more about yourself. Sure. And so I'd like to ask you, I'm going to ask you a few uh, quick questions. So kind of quick questions, quick answer uh, to get you know you uh, personally a little bit more. And the first thing I'd like to ask, uh, which is something that always fascinates me when I talk to entrepreneurs is, uh, which book are you currently reading? Ah, nice. Uh, I am currently reading three books. Uh, one is uh, fiction, uh, so Shantaram by Gregory David Roberts. And then Homage to Catalonia uh, by George Orwell uh, and uh, Peter Thiel's uh, Zero to One. That's actually something that uh, I start seeing uh, or, or, or getting as a feedback from many entrepreneurs in which they are uh, reading multiple things at the same time, not something in many cases more kind of on, on, on the novel side, uh, yeah, something yeah. a little bit more on the business side and, and, and keeping this, this in parallel, no? Mm -hmm. Can you is, is it easy for you to find uh, to find time to read or are you sometimes consumed by the business? No, mostly I read when I travel. Uh, so uh, there I always read. Uh, other than that, uh, on a daily basis, yeah, it's uh, mostly, let's say, 15 to 20 minutes a day. That's it. Yeah. Got it. Moving a bit more on the uh, on the business opportunity side of things. What do you think is a very interesting startup, uh, of course, beyond yours? Uh, one of the startups that I personally follow is a Swedish one called Eindride. So they are autonomous uh, trucks, uh, not just following it because it could be a potential customer, but also because they are into a really interesting uh, space uh, of autonomous trucks. Because I believe before autonomous cars, I think the autonomous trucks would need to go into deployment first because these are uh, predefined routes and uh, you don't need to have so much wastage no yeah okay so you actually believe that uh, we're going to see autonomous trucks first you know kind of shipment and, and more again more on the, exactly. on the b2b side because it's more predictable what's going exactly. to happen yeah. yeah for me predictable is the word like if something is predictable you automate it no yeah what about autonomous ships? I've heard a lot about them, yeah. but I uh, haven't seen at least myself anything in practice. What, what do you think? Yeah, it's something that I've not followed much, but I would assume uh, since the capital is much more intense uh, on an autonomous ship, uh, there could be two or three companies no, doing uh, not at a, a very large level. But from a technology point of view, do you think it's something that's feasible rather uh, soon? Actually, this is a use case that we do, like a remote uh, ship uh, tracking. 
Okay. Uh, so here, uh, the problem is uh, when you cross the port and enter into deep uh, sea level, uh, it needs to go through satellite. Uh, that is the only way it can establish communication. Yeah. And currently, less than 2% of all communications is through satellite. Uh, so uh, it's not so efficient in terms of the uh, capacity it has or the price or the scale, etc. Yeah. So this could be a limiting factor. Uh, however, uh, there are ways to make it hybrid in the sense that when it uh, when a ship moves to the shore, it gets connected to cellular or uh, whatever network. Mm-hmm. And when it's in the deep sea, it gets connected to satellite. So there are companies innovating on this. We are also with working with one of them. It's called Inmarsat. So they're a satellite operator yep. uh, that helps these cargo ships, uh, for example. Uh, so yeah, I think innovation needs to come on this hybrid uh, satellite cellular side to enable an autonomous uh, cargo ship, for example. Okay. And in terms of, of opportunities and, and trends, um, not necessarily linked to IoT, but if you want as well, uh, where do you see if somebody um, was going to start a company today, uh, which trends do you think uh, are interesting to, to look into? I could say both from the founders and also from the investors' perspective, mm-hmm. because these are two trends everyone should look at when they start a company. From the founders' perspective, I think uh, this is the time to start any company, identify the problem, go for it, because there has never been a time for a better time uh, to start companies because uh, there are problems are becoming more clear. You can solve it uh, in the sense that uh, it's much more accepted in the society, the whole entrepreneurship and the startup culture. And from the investor side, there's more appetite now, more risk appetite. They're willing to wait more. They are open to different business models. Uh, Etc. So that's also an opportunity. You need not stick to the typical, uh, like the template-based business model nowadays. Uh, and there are opportunities to go uh, diverse. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, and now we're getting now towards the the closing. So a couple more questions from you as a, as a manager, as a founder. And the first one is: mm-hmm. Is there any advice you oftentimes give but do not follow yourself? Well, uh, the age-old uh, work-life balance, uh, I would say there's something that's always uh, uh, confuses me because I don't, uh, I try to, uh, or we try to push it or enable it in the company, but we ourselves uh, don't really enjoy it. Uh, and I think uh, it is natural uh, because there's a difference between work-life balance and work-life-life-life-life balance no like it's uh, it's a bit difficult when you're into entrepreneurship to have this uh, but yeah i admire um, founders and founders that have this uh, balance we are also trying uh, but yeah, it's something uh, that we tell ourselves but are not finding it practical to follow yes this is also something i, I <laughs> hear from many founders um, and yes yeah, so uh, very last question is, uh, from a professional point of view, what has been your biggest mistake? Hmm. Uh, let me tell you from the startup perspective. Uh, it would be that uh, maybe we could have done uh, very accelerated uh, scaling and focus in the initial three to four years, like what uh, a lot of founders, or let's say Reid Hoffman calls blitz scaling. Uh, we did not go through that kind of a scaling process, or never, uh, like in the last five years. So that is sort of a uh, regret in a way that we couldn't take our company or products to the market in the shortest period of time. We took our time. Uh, 
uh, it is okay, but still uh, maybe the focus initially, we had multiple focus in the sense that uh, we also wanted to launch an adjacent product that is in the world of Raspberry Pi or, or the hobbyist, etc. Because we wanted all the markets, any IoT market we wanted. So <laughs> that in hindsight was a mistake. Uh, so we still have this product listed in the website, but we still get a requirement, but we do not uh, cater it because now we want to focus. Yeah. Got it. So focus and, and, and moving faster then, okay? yeah, because, yeah. and one thing kind of comes with the other. Um, great. Tarun, thank you very, very much for, uh, for your time, for sharing um, insights about such a, uh, an interesting topic, but as well uh, complex and, uh, you know, we don't hear so much about hardware, uh, but IoT and hardware in general is having a great impact uh, in, in all of our lives and is going to have even more, no? as, as you were mentioning. So thank you very, very much for sharing all of this. Um, all the best moving forward. Yeah, thanks a lot, Davide. And I hope more entrepreneurs get into the hardware side. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Hopefully this will inspire somebody. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you then. If you still want to learn more, remember, you can register on our platform, dobetter.asade.edu. That was all for today. Until next time, thank you. Do Better.